You're listening to the Therapy for Women podcast with licensed therapists Amanda White, Fern Formel, and Gabby Salomon. Whether you're contemplating therapy for the first time, already in therapy, or reconsidering it, this podcast will empower you with tips, advice, and plenty of real talk so you can get the most out of your sessions. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Therapy for Women podcast. We're back with season two. We are so excited for this to come back and start recording again. I can't wait. I know. I've missed you guys. It's been too long. Too long. Long summer. Long summer of activities. Gabby and Fern have gotten married. How was y'all's weddings? Gabby, you can go first because yours was first. (laughs) Mine was first. I would say everything went as smooth as possible, sans a tornado warning, the day of the wedding in the morning that cleared up and we had a gorgeous day and a, you know, few, you know, minor hiccups along the way. But, you know, it was everything we wanted and everything worked out and we had a great time and we had a great wedding and I actually really loved when we got to see the whole entire like um, space set up uh, right before we let everybody in for dinner to see like the final work that was done by our fantastic floral designer and her team and we quietly practiced and staged out our dance our first dance um just him and i um around like everybody still moving and bustling around that was probably like one of my favorite moments that's sweet i love that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no it was a good day it was a great time yeah like that was i think like probably one of the special moments and yeah it was just a great time and couldn't ask for a better day Fern, what about you? Yeah, we talk about this all the time that the only thing we would have changed about our wedding is we would have made it longer. Like it just, the minute the ceremony started, it just flew by. It just went so quickly. Like we didn't have, I know after parties are are really common now. We didn't have any of that. Our wedding went till 1130. So it wasn't like a super early wedding. It just didn't start till six because of where we got married, like how the rules are there. So there is a part of me that was like, oh, I wish our reception could have been longer because we were so dance focused at our wedding. Um, That was really important to us. It just felt like we didn't have enough time to to dance. Honestly, again, we had a few hours. It's just we wanted more. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's I I get it. Right. Like that's the part of it. That's fun. And, you know, you want people up and dancing right away and dancing the night away. And actually, like we kind of did the same thing. We went right into, you know, our first dance and then we kind of uh, did some, you know, things and then we had people like up on the dance floor like right away right after the the mother son dance like we had people mm-hmm. up right away dancing and then they had to actually make an announcement that like the food stations are now open if you are hungry for dinner please go get yourself <laughs> some food <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like all the anxiety about like the what ifs and stuff like that like they kind of go out the you know window that day of it's just like all right we're doing it and there's so much going on that you can't think about like all those like little teeny tiny things of where's this and what's this and where's going what's going on and it comes down to like are you having fun are you paying attention are you like trying to take it all in and you know things are going to happen and that are completely out of your control you can do nothing about like I don't know example would be like our bus getting stuck that had like all of our guests on it I couldn't do anything about that, though. Like, did I think about that and plan for that? No, not at all. Not Mm. at all. That was not even on my radar of a thing that could happen. But it did. And, you know, the ceremony started when it started, and it went smoothly. The only area, like, the only thing that really went, I guess we could say, wrong, and Mm -hmm. not necessarily wrong, just frustrating, is that my dress, because my train was so long, I had 18 points to bustle, which is ridiculous. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it just like wasn't coming together. So bless my officiant and my day of coordinator who did this together. I have a great photo of them like under my dress somewhere. (laughs) They just like tied it up best they could. And like it came undone a couple times throughout the night. So it's honestly at the end of the night, I just like hiked the whole dress up and was just like carrying it in my arms and dancing on the dance floor. (laughs) But like In my eyes, if the worst thing that happened on my wedding day, like the most stressful thing was that my bustle wasn't really bustling and I just had to carry my dress, like 
small potatoes as they say yeah yeah i was gonna say not everybody's lucky to have my aunt owns a bridal salon and so she actually uh bustled my dress for me with um my cousin and so they knew exactly like what to do but like so they were like in there but even them they're professionals you know they had to be like wait which one goes where what color we have to match the colors that we have to do this first we have they had to like go back and look at a video that was taken of like how to bustle and they're professionals yeah it's hard it's a and it's a pain in the butt (laughs) yeah but yeah besides that you know it went smoothly, you know, and it's, I think it's not, you know, like we worry about like all these little things. It's like, did people eat? Did people have fun? Did they dance? Did they, you know, were they there for you and the right, and your spouse and the right reasons? Yes. Then it's a hit. Gabby, I'm curious for you. So we went on our honeymoon right away and and you went on your honeymoon close, but obviously not like right after your wedding. Was there a difference for you? Like, I felt like we were in such a bubble of like, we're in love and we're married and we're disconnecting from the world. Yeah, you came back to work. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I worked the week in between and it wasn't actually our our honeymoon. We went on a, a group trip. So we were traveling with uh, 28, 29 other people, including my father. <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> including my dad but it it was vacation you know we were there he worked a little my husband worked a little bit but we got to experience an island in Italy called Ischia which was wonderful and we went to Rome uh, which is beautiful and we you know we love it it was really nice to be able to be in Italy and with my father for the first time who'd never been to Europe before like he's been out of the country but not there and so like that was fun yeah it was just like a whole nother level but we like it was very much like yes like we're in love and we're here and these people are here with us and (laughs) these are the people that you know some of the people that we travel with are people that we love and we you know love spending time with so it's like fun that way we're technically going on our honeymoon in november so i don't know like we were very much like we had a couple days at the hotel after the wedding for just him and i and that was lovely and then you know yeah i came back to work that following week and then went to Italy right after that. And, you know, it was, it was great. Yeah. Like the right after I think was like the bubble and then, you know, we kind of just forward and. No, that makes sense. I feel like you need the bubble. Like even if it's 48 hours or a week or two weeks, whatever it's like the bubble, at least in my experience is so nice And it's, for me, it was just like a different level of being in love. Like it was just this. It doesn't really matter. We're just here. We're just doing Mm -hmm. it and we're together and hang out, sleep, whatever. Yeah. That was, I think like the best part actually about, I do, uh, I am grateful that uh, we did add an extra night on the hotel after the wedding instead of checking out that next morning because I would not have been able to. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Could not imagine trying to gather all of that stuff out of that room and get out of there like by 11 a.m. That would never have happened. I was like waking up at 11. (laughs) Oh my God. No, that's what we did. And then we had people come to our house because we just bought our house. So we had like friends and family come over to our house and hang out for the day on Sunday. And then we left that Monday the next morning. Yeah. (laughs) No. That's that's wild. Yes. Yeah. It was a lot, but uh, it was it was good. Honeymoon, wedded, bliss, newlyweds, you know, all the things, and we're you know just living life now, and yeah, it's 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 interesting. Yeah. Do either of you have you had any like post wedding blues, or is it just like relief that it all went well? I think I had relief that it all went well. I was just like, <laughs> yes, thank God it's done. <laughs> I had relief for sure. There's definitely this relief of like, oh, I don't have to plan anymore. Of like, oh my God, this big event is done. Like, thank God. (laughs) I can just live my life. I don't have to, you know, do this or that. But I definitely had some like, oh man, like, can I have another one? (laughs) You know, just like copy paste. I don't want to do anything new. (laughs) I just want to re. It's more like that I wanted to relive it feeling. Like I wanted to just, so I'm like really excited for us to get all of our photos back and our video back. It was, it was more that feeling of like, I just want to keep reliving it because it was so fun and it was such a wonderful time and we felt so good, but no blues in the sense that it was over and I was like never gonna I think of that friends clip which I think we've talked about before Mm -hmm. where they're Mm -hmm. on their honeymoon and Monica's like 
I'll never be a bride again. I'm just someone's <laughs> wife. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't feel that. That's not the blue mm. feeling I'm feeling. <laughs> I was so depressed. Were you? <laughs> yeah. I think maybe it was because I was younger. Yeah. So I got married when I was 29. I don't yeah. know. I mean, not that much younger. No. But I don't know. I was also engaged for a year and a half. I planned okay. it for a year and a half. And we didn't go on our honeymoon until Christmas. And okay. we got – so we waited two months okay. before we did our honeymoon. Yeah, I was super depressed. Oh, no. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe, like, I'm not super, like, depressed about it or something like, because we – I did jump into planning my sister's baby shower, like, right after that of, like, okay, like, what's next? Jordan's, you know, shower and prepping for that and all that, which just, we just had and went off without a hitch and was wonderful and beautiful and she had a great time. So, yeah, like, I don't know if that was part of it or, like, that I also, like, got to continue to talk to Fern about uh, wedding planning <laughs> post my <laughs> <own> wedding. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah, I think also it was interesting because the year I got married was like a marathon year of weddings for all of my friends with ours being the last one. So I think that also like signified where it was like we were all at these weddings together. It was so fun to see everyone. We spent so much time together that year. And it was like, I don't, we don't have anything else planned. And what, are, what next thing are we going to all do together because we had been on everyone's bachelorettes we'd done wedding like it was like every other weekend I was with my friends and it sounds was, like fern yeah that's it this was is, so that much. was my year that was that was 2023 in a nutshell yeah. for me it's not even over yet <laughs> and that that was really hard for me yeah, yeah. I don't know. no that makes sense because like I have so I have three more weddings but they're not my like core friend group like they're not like my main friend group and so I think it's kind of the opposite for us. Like we're so excited. Like I was the last one in that friend group to get married. And I think we're now excited. Like, oh, we can just like go on trips now. Like we can just go on girls trips or friendships or this and that. And they don't have to be dedicated to like a bachelorette, a bridal shower, a wedding. But I could see why, you know, if you were spending all that time with each other and it's like all these really like positive, happy memories, not that mine weren't, but if that was like a big, awesome, fun, monumental time, that if yeah. your wedding kind of signified the end of that era, if you will, yeah. that you'd be sad. Like that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Well, we wanted to give you all updates that the way that we're going to, we're switching this season to doing every other week of a recording schedule. So then you'll be able to have us the whole year and that just works better for our cadence. And then we won't take a break during the summer. Yes. And we're hoping this season to incorporate some more like Q&A stuff so you guys can write into us and ask us questions that you know you want to ask your group of therapy friends so we can give you some therapeutic advice slash slight friend advice, right? Yeah. Questions or topics. Yeah. We're here for them. We want to, you know, engage more and we want to answer your questions and we want to cover topics that you're interested in. So yeah, you can email us at podcast at therapyforwomencenter.com or send us a DM at the Instagram page. Our Instagram page is Therapy for Women Center and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Really excited for this season. Yes. We have lots of good uh, guests coming on and topics and we can't wait. And here's Simone. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Therapy for Women podcast. I'm Gabby Salamone, and I have with me this week Fern Formel and our special guest, Simone. So welcome, Simone. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this today. We're here to talk about perimenopause and menopause and... Signs, symptoms, coping, all of the things, right? Like that go along with that that aren't really spoken too much about. Like I feel like that's being talked about more these days, but it's still, I feel like a kind of gray area. Or am I just like reading into that? No, absolutely. Yeah, I would say it's a gray area. Yeah. Along those lines, like if you think about it, right? I mean, Gabby, I think you had mentioned you went to private school, Fern. I don't know if you went to public school or not, but certainly when I was in public school, you know, I guess around third grade, we started having like the health talks, right? And we started learning anatomy and all about puberty and how our bodies would change. And, you know, we really only got like a quarter of the story because our mm. 
hormonal journey changes up until puberty, through puberty, through the reproductive years, through perimenopause, through to postmenopause, and we only learn that tiny little bit, right? And then we're sort of left on our own. So I think this is a great topic. And, you know, it's definitely something that I think as as people uh, with reproductive systems, we should have more information about and we just simply don't get it. I guess like in conversations that I've had with clients, right? And I work like with clients with eating disorders and disordered eating. And there's like this belief that like, I should be the same weight that I was in high school, or I should be the same weight that I was in college, or, you know, my body, why is it still changing? And it's the reality of it is like our bodies continue to change throughout our lifespan. We're not meant to just fit into one box or one size the whole time. And I think that's a disservice to us as people to like have this thought or idea like, oh, like I'm supposed to still be the same size. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up with a grandmother saying things like, well, when I was 22, I was (laughs) however weight and I had two children. What size pants do you wear? And you're like, I don't know if that's actually an appropriate question because we're not the same. Our body, our builds are completely different. You're one, I'm five (laughs) ten. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. My grandma loved to do I mean she was she was wonderful in lots of ways, but her favorite was like, Are you sure you want to have that second piece of cake? And I was like, Yes, yes, I do. Cake's delicious. Absolutely. But to to the point of all this, right, is that like our bodies are constantly changing. We, to your point, Simone, we are taught very little about our bodies when we really think about it. And, you know, let alone the little that we learn about our menstrual cycle and then the little that we learn about pregnancy, labor and delivery. Then we add being perimenopausal and going through menopause. No one tells us anything. So Simone, we're asking you to be here to uh, be like our fairy godmother today and teach us and guide us and tell us all the things that we have no idea about, because I'm not going to lie. I'm probably like the least informed here. So, (laughs) so tell us what perimenopause is. That's my first question for you today. Let me back up a little bit and let me, let me provide the first little nugget that I think really blew my mind when I actually came to terms with this, right? If you think about when we reach puberty and we start menstruating, right? We all, I think most of us who go through the menstruation process understand the monthly cycle, right? So, you know, hormones increase as we reach ovulation. Once we ovulate, certain hormones drop off, others continue, and then basically the hormones sort of level out and then a new cycle begins, right? We have that going on every month. In addition to that, right, as we age, as we reach puberty, our reproductive years, our post-reproductive years, which is perimenopause, right, and then towards menopause and then post-menopause, our hormones increase, we get into the reproductive years. After the reproductive years, they start to fall off, which is what perimenopause is, right? And then postmenopause, they continue to fall off. And at some point, allegedly, (laughs) and I say this because I've had this conversation with my doctor, they sort of level out right at some point but that can be five ten years post-menopause right so now you've got that process so you've got the monthly process you've got the lifetime time process you also have a daily process where your hormones fluctuate throughout the day right so this is why women who are in that perimenopausal approaching menopause postmenopausal state get the night sweats because what tends to happen is your estrogen dips down in the evening. And that's why the night sweats and the hot flashes tend to come at night. So you're going on this monthly menopausal journey, this lifetime menopausal journey with the hormone fluctuation. And then you're also going on this daily hormone fluctuation journey. That is a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just, I'm laughing to myself that that's Sounds like the worst roller coaster to be on. And we do it every day with a smile on our face and we take care of everything that we are expected to take care of while we're experiencing all of this. Wow. Yeah. Nope. No, thank you. (laughs) 
I'll skip that. No, I'm good. <laughs> Thank you, Simone, for traumatizing Fran and I this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, I just think that that's really important to understand. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, because hormones do really play an integral part of our ability to think straight and to regulate our emotions and how we feel and just physically, mentally, everything. And so understanding and maybe even utilizing that knowledge to have a little compassion for ourselves when we are going through this, that, I mean, I don't want to say that we're, we're victims to our hormones, but we have a lot going on hormonally. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, just having sort of a, a conceptualization of that, I think, can maybe help us have a little bit more compassion. Yeah, like I guess what's coming to mind is like when I work with clients, you know, I sometimes talk about like social media shows just like the extreme highs or the extreme lows, right? And a lot of times people have this perception that like it should be really high or really low all the time. But the reality is, is like a lot of times we're like in this middle ground for how we feel about day to day life, right? And, you know, and there's like little blips of like, this is really good or this is really bad in terms of like what's going on aren't really like the norm right like it's usually like this middle mundane but then if you add like on top of that some hormones like you might have like those little blips of like i feel sad right now or i feel happy right now in the in between but then it like levels in back into the middle correct right yeah it's kind of like looking at a, a restaurant review on yelp right like the people <laughs> that go there aren't going to be the ones that are like no oh, it's a satisfactory meal right they're going to be the mm -hmm. ones who either had a great fantastic experience or it really stuck most yeah. of the time it's in the middle but those those folks aren't showing up to write the review but to answer your question gabby what is perimenopause so mm -hmm. essentially what it is is it is when we start the journey from our reproductive phase in our hormonal lives right towards menopause postmenopause so perimenopause can last for a really long time some people have symptoms some people don't have symptoms for some people they have short perimenopause some people are sort of put into menopause for medical conditions or surgically so they don't experience perimenopause but essentially it's the process where those hormones that were very high during a reproductive year start to fall off and what's kind of important to note about this is that while they do decrease in a linear fashion-ish, right? There's also a lot of wonkiness in that sometimes they spike up again, sometimes they drop dramatically, and this is all the while while they are doing this sort of linear progression towards falling off. And they don't ever fall off completely, but they, they decrease significantly as we age. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. It does, absolutely. Yeah. So when we start experiencing some of this, right? Like what are some of the signs or symptoms that this is starting to happen? Like, is there like a definitive age or is there a definitive time or it depends really on people? Yeah, it depends. I think for most folk, it's usually somewhere in their mid to late forties. I know by the time I was 43, I knew something was up. So, you know, it was probably happening before that I wasn't really affected until I reached my early 40s. But it kind of depends. So we'll, we'll talk in generalizations. So some of the things that can happen, you might notice, you might notice weight gain, right? Or, you know, you might notice where it was a little bit easier to maintain your weight. Maybe it's not so easy. One of the things that can happen is your body redistributes fat. And I was kind of laughing because I noticed this little lump on my side and I went to the doctor and had him check it out. And he was like, yeah, I see that. And you know, he really didn't have an explanation for me as to what had caused that. And I had to figure that out for myself. And so I, I've lovingly named my little lump Frank and he goes everywhere that I go. <laughs> but yeah, so this, things like that can happen, right? Where you get you get little lumps of fat that weren't there before, and there they are. Insomnia 
I think is a big one, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's really there. I mean, it just, the symptoms just increase and it's different for everybody. Uh, I think one of the things that happened to me that I was not aware of was heart palpitations, right? Mm. So I'm sitting on the couch, I'm watching TV one day, and suddenly I have a racing heart. And I'm like, you know, the therapist in me is like, am I having anxious thoughts? I need to check in with myself. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm literally sitting here watching TV, not thinking anything. And suddenly Mm. my heart starts racing. And so I go to my family doctor and my family doctor does the EKG, which is wonderful because heart disease in women often gets overlooked, doesn't find anything, also does not explain to me that this can be a symptom of perimenopause. And so now I'm like, why am I getting heart palpitations that have no explanation, right? Well, there's a whole host of things. And the further in you get, the more severe the symptoms become. And the closer you get, that's when you start seeing things like hot flashes, night sweats, difficulty with cognition, you know, menopause, you talk about that menopausal foggy brain difficulty with recall, you can see increases in anxiety, you know, depression, any kind of pre-existing mental health condition can actually get worse as you get closer to menopause. Women who are going through perimenopause, menopause will also be at an increased risk for substance abuse, which was something I didn't realize until I started doing the research. Um, But it kind of makes sense, right? Because you have a lot of these symptoms going on with, you know, no one actually telling you why you have these symptoms. And then, you know, for a lot of women, anxiety increases, even if, you know, it was previously treated, even if you're already on medication, even if you're, you know, have pretty good control over it, you can still experience these things. And so now you don't understand that and you're trying to self-medicate. So it makes sense, but I don't think a lot of people understand that. Yeah. No, and so it sounds like you tell me if this, if I'm understanding this correctly, Simone. So it sounds like the closer you get to menopause and then being in menopause, it sounds like the more symptoms you develop or maybe the symptoms even get uh, more intense, would you say? I think that's typically the experience of most people who go through this journey. Yes. And I think, unfortunately, you know, the standard, right, for treating perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause is to wait until you go a year without a menstrual cycle. And then Mm. if you're going to seek treatment, right? And then and only then do you have access to medications that can help you manage these symptoms. Are you kidding? No. That's ridiculous. Why can't we start like, give me the medication now. (laughs) Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is where it it gets more hairy, right? And the reason for this is because I know this is going to blow your minds, ladies, but (laughs) there isn't a a lot of research on this. Maybe because it affects people with uteruses. I don't know. And the research that is out there is conflicting, right? I mean, it used to be that there was the belief that hormone therapy would increase breast cancer. And what they're finding, at least from what I could see, again, not a lot of research, a lot of conflicting research is that it does increase your risk of breast cancer, but the increase is very small, right? But I think the thinking behind um, waiting until you experience menopause, right, that year without a period, is that if you provide the hormones earlier, that it increases your risk of breast cancer more. However, there's not a lot of research on it. The research that's out there is conflicting, but a lot of doctors are sticking to that standard of care. So yeah, you're pretty much throughout the perimenopausal journey as you approach menopause, the symptoms get worse. Until you go a year without your period, you're pretty much managing your symptoms with SSRIs, SNRIs. There are a couple new medications out now that are not hormone-based that supposedly treat um, night sweats and hot flashes. These are like brand new to the market medications. I don't really know much about them. But other than that, you're very limited as far as medication in your treatment options. How, you know, Simone, as being a therapist, how have you seen menopause affecting your clients? If, if you've had clients 
right, that are either perimenopausal or going through menopause. I'm, I'm really curious, just kind of emotionally and mentally and socially and all those aspects, how it affects people. Right, right. Yeah. So I think the biggest takeaway I've had with this, with my own education in this, my own experience in it, and then working with folks who are going through it is they're confused. They, they really don't understand what's happening. I have a lot of folks typically coming to me and saying, these are the things I'm experiencing. I'm going to my doctor. I'm not getting answers. And then I'm having the conversation of, could it be perimenopause? And then it's like a light goes off, right? Sometimes they, they have a suspicion, right? Sometimes they come to me and they're like, I'm going through these things. It might be perimenopause. But it's kind of disturbing to me that they're not getting that confirmation from their doctors, right? And then I will typically have the conversation of you can go to your OBGYN and request a blood test, right? And they can tell you whether your levels are starting to change. And that will confirm if you want that confirmation, whether or not you're going through perimenopause. It's so interesting why that wouldn't be, and maybe it is for, for some GYNs, but it's interesting that that wouldn't be an automatic, oh, you're having these symptoms, you're about this age let's run the hormonal blood work just to see, like, let's just check it off the list, see where we're at. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think because a lot of providers are kind of hamstrung, right? Like they're kind of in this place where the standard of care is not to treat until someone is is postmenopausal, right? Has that year of not having a period that they're kind of dismissive. And that's been my experience, that's been a lot of the people that I treat, right? And I, I don't know if that's sort of like a defense mechanism because they can't really offer too much in terms of medication. But, you know, I actually had a provider say to me, I was complaining about the hot flashes and she was like, this was an OBGYN. She was like, yeah, drink ice water and dress in layers. And I was like, I don't think you understand. I am catching fire on the inside. Like ice water is not going to help me it feels like just like a again like another area where women are dismissed about our symptoms right or questioning like medical things that they're noticing and the doctor's like no it's not no it's not no it's not or like i don't know i work with clients and some of them have like questioned like do i have pcos and their doctors like won't run lab work for them or won't send them for an ultrasound or things like that and they just feel frustrated and stuck and they're like left spinning in their wheels and doing research online and going down weird rabbit holes that don't really get them anywhere. Yeah. And so this is like a, a twofold problem, right? So it's not getting the answers from your provider and then sort of being left to your own devices where you go online, where there's a lot of misinformation, there's a lot of conflicting information, and there aren't a lot of really good answers. If you want to dive even deeper into this topic, Simone is going to be leading a workshop all about this on October 26th at seven o'clock. It's going to be virtual so you can access it from anywhere in the world. And if you can't make it live, we're also going to record it. Sign up at our website at www.therapyforwomencenter.com slash events. We have a whole great workshop calendar lined up this fall. We have an ADHD skills workshop coming up on October 19th. We have a yoga workshop that's also going to be virtual and an art therapy workshop. Check out all of these at our website. Simone, how, and there might, I'm sure there isn't kind of like a one size fits all for this question. I'm curious, how would you recommend a client maybe talk to uh, a partner or a partner is what I always go to, obviously, just because of the work that I do. It's my, my go-to. But how would someone talk to someone, you know, that they're close with, that they think this is what they're going through and maybe what they need, right? Whether that's support or what they're experiencing, like, how would you recommend they go about that? I, I, you know, I guess it depends on the partner. I guess it depends on the level of support that you get. I mean, I think, you know, I always recommend transparency. I always think that transparency is the best policy in any relationship, right? And of course, that always has to be handled delicately. But I think one of the more difficult things with this journey is, you know, we talk about estrogen, we talk about progesterone, and how those dip off. We don't often talk about testosterone. Testo your ovaries produce testosterone. And when you don't have enough testosterone, 
you're exhausted, you're tired. And not only that, but you don't want sex. So what happens is when your libido dips or disappears entirely and you're not engaging in sex with your partner, sometimes your partner feels personally rejected. So the more information you have, right, to say, hey, this is what is going on. My testosterone is dipping. My testosterone is on vacation, right? It's, it's leaving. It's taken off. And this is why my desire has gone down. It isn't about you personally. This is what's going on with my body. I think that is really important because partners can feel really rejected. And it's really not about that, right? It's really more about the hormonal journey. The good news is if you want to have testosterone back into your life once you are postmenopausal, that is an option. So you can have that reintroduced and then oh, sometimes your energy levels go up, your libido returns, and everybody's happy again, hopefully. <laughs> yes, hopefully. <laughs> what about family members? How would you recommend someone, you know, talk to their, whether it's, you know, uh, kids or uh, anyone who like they share a home with to explain, you know, I might, I might be a little bit more, more irritable or I, you might find me awake at four in the morning downstairs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, right? I think we've always taken the approach with our kids that we're probably, they probably would like us to talk a little bit less openly about certain things. Right. But we're always like, okay, you know, like we didn't, we didn't start the sex talk, right, when they started puberty, right? I mean, we, we would talk about it in an age-appropriate way when they were younger, but it was always an ongoing conversation. And so speaking about how your body changes, how your hormones change, how things in life change, desire changes, all of those things have always been an ongoing conversation. Matter of fact, my kids, they always... My son just shakes his head. We were, I don't know if you know, but there's this British show that's on, I believe it's on HBO. It's called, oh, it's it's escaping me, but it's, it's a dating show. And basically how it goes is they pick a contestant and then there's three potential uh, suitors. And what they do is they have them stand naked and they start revealing their body from the bottom up and the person decides on whether or not they want to date them based on how they look. And they are completely nude. And, you know, my son just walks through the living room as my husband and I are watching that. He just shakes his head because he's just so used to us. Right. But like, this is, this is not like, to me, sex is a healthy part of the human experience, right? And a normal part of the human experience where the video games that he plays, where he's stealing cars or shooting people or whatever is not a normal part of the human experience, right? And so, you know, they have sort of developed shame and everything around it. And I'm just like, a lot of folks do have that, right? It's a part of the normal everyday experience. So I think just being open, being honest, and being very transparent and it's not a one-time, let's sit down and talk about this conversation, right? It's, hey, this is what's going on with me. I'm starting to have difficulty sleeping. And so if I have a hard time sleeping, I might be a little bit more irritable. I might be a little bit more snappy. And I'm having a hard time sleeping because I'm getting night sweats, right? And a lot of times my kids are like, oh, mom, like they don't want to they don't care. But just asking for like, asking for help, right? Can you go a little bit easier on me, right? Or if I ask you to empty the dishwasher because I'm tired, can you give that to me, right? Or I'm going to try to take a nap. Can you guys be quiet, right? So just being very transparent about what's going on, what your needs are, and how they can support you with your needs. Yeah. For those that like struggle with saying what their needs are, is there any tips or tricks to help them have these conversations that are hard for them because they feel like they can't have them or they feel like they can't say anything or any of the above, right? Yeah. I think immediacy is always a good, like, I think it's okay to say, 
I don't know what I need right now. I'm struggling. I'm having a really hard time. And, you know, I just don't know, you know, and I think that that's okay. I think that's okay to say, like, I just, you know, I, I think that sometimes my clients will, you know, there's always that guilt. And it's, I see a lot of it around moving their body. And it's like, oh, I laid in bed. And I'm like, you know, sometimes you need a nap more than you need to move your body, right? And that's okay. And it's okay to give yourself permission for that, you know, and, and to really kind of go, okay, am I going to feel better after I take a nap? Or am I going to feel better after I go for a hike, right? Which one is going to make me feel better? Sometimes it's the nap. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, like I feel better after the nap sometimes, like, or like renegotiating, like when I'm going to do something or like, oh, like I'm not going to do it right now, but like, I'm going to take a nap and then I have time later to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious too, as we're talking about this topic, I'm really curious about the shame and embarrassment piece that might come along with going through menopause. I'm thinking about how there's such a a narrative that there's shame in getting older and menopause certainly is an indicator of age in the sense that you don't get it until a little later in life. And I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm curious what you think about this, Simone, if that, if that shows up for people that you see, um, or if you've even experienced that yourself or talked to anyone about it. Cause I, I imagine quite a few people can have a lot of complicated feelings about going through this. Oh, for sure. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. I think that we live in a culture that celebrates youth, right? I mean, look on your filters on Instagram, right? Everybody has smooth skin and big eyes like babies and it's it's, yeah it's it's kind of creepy (laughs) when you really think about it like it's like we're infantilizing people like it kind of gets into that like you know and I see it in myself right like you know doing telehealth I mean I I like look at myself all day long and I'm like I see these little jowls coming and I'm like ooh maybe I need a little Juvederm, right? Because we lose that fullness in our face. (laughs) And I also think that people are more vibrant now in their aging than they have ever been, right? And I think that, you know, things are changing a great deal. Whereas maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago, somebody who was in their 50s or 60s, it was like you were squarely in the grandparents box, right? I don't think you necessarily see that anymore. I think people are presenting differently. I think people are much more active than they used to be. I think that people are having longer careers. I think people are more engaged with their community. But yeah, it is, it's difficult to start to come to terms with that. You know, and I think that's part of what makes that whole perimenopausal, menopausal, postmenopausal journey difficult because, you know, we don't spring out of bed anymore, right? Like when we get up, our joints are a little stiffer. You know, it takes us a little bit of, of getting up and walking around to kind of loosen up our muscles and, and get back to feeling like, okay, my hands every morning, stiff, 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 right? You know, it's those little things where we're a little bit slower, we're a little bit heavier, we're a little bit wrinklier. (laughs) You know, our skin typically in perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause starts to get drier, you know, a little bit grayer every time I go to the hairdresser. How much, I guess, of the work maybe that you do when you with women around, you know, perimenopause is around like body acceptance, body neutrality, things like that? There's a lot of, I think, particularly around shape, especially for my folks that have had children. They look at their body, they may be experiencing that fat redistribution. They may be, you know, looking at their tummy, (laughs) right? And they're like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't have that body that I had. And, you know, oftentimes they won't say that, right? And I will have to ask, I'm like, okay, so you have an idea of 
what you think your body ought to look like. You know, how old were you when your body looked like that? And then I can get to, is it realistic to have your body look like it did when you were in your 20s, when you're now in your 40s, right? Are you the same person even that you are today? Yeah. And we talk a lot about like, what did your body do for you? Like, and, you know, finding gratitude in this tummy that may be a little looser, right? But also brought, you know, in my case, two healthy, beautiful children into the world, you know? And my second one was 10 pounds just about. So I look like I swallowed a watermelon sideways, right? Like, I don't expect that that tummy is just going to bounce back, right? (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. But now I have my son, right? And that would not be possible without some changes to my body. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's some of the reality, right? Like, I think, so it sounds like the work is kind of the same at any age. It just like evolves a little bit more. For sure. For sure. And I think too, you know, I also try to focus on fulfillment and purpose because I think that, you know, it's such a long period in our lives, which is why it kind of blows my mind that it's like we get the puberty talk and nothing else. It's like we, you know, three quarters of it is perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, about roughly, right? I guess it depends on your lifespan, but, and we really only get puberty. We, we don't even really get reproductive years that much. So the fact that we don't talk about it, there are so many life changes that happen during this time in your life, right? Sometimes there's career changes. There's, uh, for some folks, raising children. There's oftentimes like purchasing a home. There might be divorce. There might be marriage. There's you know, for some folks, they go back to school. I mean, there are just so many huge transitions, right? Children graduating high school, leaving the house. And all the while, you're managing this hormonal sort of upheaval, and and nobody's talking about it, right? And so like, when I have folks that are struggling with those changes, right? And in particular, how they feel and how their their body look, right? I will often talk about other ways that they define themselves. You know, are you just how you look? Are you just a mom? Are you just a worker? Are you just a wife? How are those roles fulfilling? What are other things that you need in your life to give you purpose that maybe you don't have currently, right? And I frame these are as opportunities, right? Because sometimes folks are so busy taking care of everybody else that they don't know these things about themselves. They haven't discovered these things. And that's super exciting for me because I'm like, cool, let's try stuff, right? Let's find out what brings you that spark. Let's explore that. Let's see. And, you know, the truth is like, our roles shift, our lives are dynamic. And so, you know, when we're raising young, young children, we may have to be more present in their lives. And we may not have time to do those things that also give us fulfillment. But as they get older, and as they need us less hands on, right, then we have the opportunity, perhaps, to explore other things that give us meaning and purpose and really excite us and bring us joy. I think that's beautifully said. And, and honestly, I, th- I think that's a great note for us to kind of wrap up on. Honestly, I think you just said that really well, Simone. Yeah, I think like that's the joy of that like phase or stage of life, right? With that, with kind of wrapping up our episode today, Simone, for you, is there anything else that you would want to say about this topic to people listening or any other information you want to share today? Oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about. So I'm just, first of all, thrilled that we're having this conversation because I feel like there is unfortunately a lot of misinformation. Um, It's something that oftentimes doesn't get talked about. I know, you know, my mom was not open with me about it. And so I had to kind of find out a lot of this stuff on my own. So there is a workshop 
that I am hosting on the 26th, 7 p.m. Eastern time. It's a Thursday. So if you want to learn more, please come bring your questions. I am super excited to be doing that uh, because there's so much more to dive into. There's a great book that I absolutely love. It is called What Fresh Hell Is This? <laughs> it's really appropriately named. It's by Heather Karina. So this is written by a non-binary queer identified person, which I think is very, very cool. And that's sort of, you know, just besides the point. I mean, it just it's such a well-written book and it is very resource rich, uh, very evidence based. So I absolutely love that. There's also the North American Menopause Society website, which is www.menopause.org uh, that you can check out as well. So just to put some resources out there. Thank you, Simone. Thank you, Simone. Yeah. Thank you for coming back on and talking with us and educating Fern and I. Sorry we sat with our mouths gaping open at the majority of this. Definitely walking away more educated. I, I had a baseline from working at Planned Parenthood several years ago, but uh, I definitely am walking away with a lot more info. So thank you, Simone. It's really, really helpful. And also, you know, thinking about my childhood makes me have even more compassion for my own mother. So <laughs> it's, that's all good things. So yeah. thank you for, thank you for coming on. And for anyone who liked today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe, follow, give us a review, hopefully five stars. Cause we always appreciate those ones. And if you have any ideas for future topics or you have any questions, you can email us at podcast at therapyforwomencenter.com. If you want to sign up for Simone's workshop, you can also go to our website, therapyforwomencenter.com. And I believe it's under our events tab. Yes. And until then, we will see everybody next time. All right. Have a great day, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye, Simone. Thanks for listening to the Therapy for Women podcast. To suggest a topic, submit a question, or find a qualified therapist, visit therapyforwomencenter.com.